A lot of you may know Ethelstan from the TV show The Last Kingdom, or Vikings, but I am going to tell you the real story of this legendary king. Historians hold him in high regard. He has been described as the father of medieval modern England and one of the greatest Anglo-Saxon kings. His ascent to greatness, however, would not be easy. He had to keep up the work of his father, who had provided him the blueprint of how to take control of the turbulent Danelaw. Ethelstan would do exactly that, and more, being the one who united all the kingdoms in England under his sole rule. This is his story. First, let's look at his ancestry and early life. Ethelstan came from a legendary lineage of kings, with his grandfather being Alfred the Great, one of England's greatest warrior kings, who defeated the Vikings against all the odds. His father was Edward the Elder, who began the expansion of Wessex, absorbing Mercia and the southern Danelaw into his own domain, leaving his son Ethelstan to finish what he started. Ethelstan was born in the year 894, and he was the eldest son of Edward the Elder and his first wife, Equin, but virtually nothing is known of her life and descent. It is not known what became of Ethelstan's mother, but his father, King Edward, would marry again, and he would have two half-brothers, Elfweird and Edwin. Ethelstan would grow up in Mercia, being raised by his warrior aunt Ethelfled, the Lady of Mercia. He would have been trained in the art of the sword and combat by Ethelfled's men. It is said that a young Ethelstan would have participated in Mercian campaigns to conquer the Danelaw, conveying he was a warrior prince. Ethelstan's father, Edward the Elder, would die on the 17th of July, 924 but Ethelstan's ascension to the throne wouldn't be straightforward, as his half-brother also had ambitions to be king. It's unclear who Edward wanted to be king after his death, but the events after his death are clear. Ethelstan was acknowledged as the king in Mercia, probably due to him growing up there and having fought alongside the men. He also most likely got on well with the Mercian nobles, making him the obvious choice to be the next king. Meanwhile, in Wessex, they chose his half-brother Elfweird as king, once again dividing the kingdoms. However, Elfweird would die just 16 days after his father Edward. His cause of death is unknown. Wessex would not proclaim Ethelstan as their king for some time, remaining defiant. But he was ultimately crowned king of Mercia and Wessex in the year 925. Schemes and plots would follow Ethelstan even after his coronation. An unknown nobleman planned to blind Ethelstan on account of him being an illegitimate son of Edward and thus was not the true king. Blinding would have made Ethelstan unable to rule and lead men who would have made him step down as king. It is unknown if this plot was arranged by his other half-brother Edwin, but one thing was apparent. Wessex still didn't stand with their king, so this plot could very well have been Edwin, who was raised in Wessex amongst his people. Edwin's fate, however, would have to wait. Ethelstan now looked to the north and to the work of his father, Edward, and his aunt, Ethelfled, 
who had conquered the Danish territories in eastern Mercia and East Anglia, Ethelstan now knew that the conquest of the entire Danelaw was possible, and he just needed to wait for the right time to strike. Citric was the Viking king in Dublin and Northumbria, and was ruling York at the time of Ethelstan's ascent to power. In 927 he would die. Ethelstan would seize this golden opportunity to strike, as when a king dies, chaos emerges, and chaos brings opportunity. Citric's cousin Guthrif was quickly proclaimed the king of Northumbria, however Ethelstan would march north and capture York, whilst Guthrif sailed with a fleet from Dublin. The events that followed are uncertain, but Ethelstan did prevail, either by military might or negotiation, and he then captured York. The Vikings in York would submit to him and proclaim him as king. Northumbria had just fallen to Ethelstan, and his conquest of the Danelaw was now complete. He was now not just the King of Saxons, but the King of the English. A meeting would soon be held with all the earls and kings in the north, and something truly legendary was about to take place. King Owain of Strathclyde, King Constantine of Alba, Ildred of Bambra, and King Highwell of Wales all submitted to Ethelstan in 927 and accepted his supremacy. This led to seven years of peace in the north. Edwin, Ethelstan's half-brother, who was allegedly behind certain plots, would drown in a shipwreck in the North Sea in the year 933. It is unknown if he was fleeing the wrath of his half-brother after his alleged treachery was discovered or for other reasons. Nevertheless, he was dead, and Ethelstan would now be the obvious choice as king. By 934, Ethelstan looked north once again. The kings of the north had sworn allegiance to him, but they wanted their kingdoms and independence back. They would plot in the shadows until their time to strike came. King Constantine of Alba would break a peace treaty, forcing Ethelstan's hand. Ethelstan had united all of mainland England and had a monstrous army with men of all faiths and cultures. Saxon men stood with him, as did the Vikings, and so did the Welsh. On Ethelstan's march north, four Welsh kings accompanied him, as did thirteen earls, conveying his power and supremacy above all other kings. Ethelstan and his men would make their way to Scotland by land and sea, engulfing the Scottish soil. His army reached as far north as Donator Castle, which is the furthest north any English army had ventured since the year 685. There are not many sources from medieval chroniclers on what happened during this campaign or its outcome, but it is said the forces of Ethelstan ravaged the lands up to Donator, making it known that no king could protect their lands from him. He was showing all the northern and Scottish kings that they were no match for him, and they could stand and die, or submit and live. The flames of war were ever apparent, and Ethelstan had made the north and Scotland bleed. Uniting them into his own kingdom would prove extremely difficult, as their leaders were bent on independence. 
In the year 934, Olaf Guthfrinsson succeeded his father Guthrith as the Norse king of Dublin. Olaf would then marry King Constantine's daughter, cementing an alliance between the king of Dublin and king of Alba. Guthrith's forebears had sailed from Scandinavia and had become the kings of Northumbria and Dublin, but Ethelstan had taken Northumbria and Olaf wanted it back. It seems Ethelstan's peace was dissolving. In the year 937, King Olaf and King Constantine would also join forces with King Owain of Strathclyde in an alliance against Ethelstan. Virtually all the kings who had sworn loyalty to him in 927 had now turned against him. Alone, they couldn't even challenge him, but together, they thought they could crush him and take their lands and independence back. The three allied kings, with their Scottish, Irish and Northern army, would plunder English territory in the summer of 937, with their aim being to dissolve England and break Ethelstan's source of power. This would culminate in the Battle of Brunanborough, and the victor would have England's fate in their hands. Ethelstan's army consisted of the men of Wessex, the Mercians, the Welsh, and many Vikings from the Danelaw. The two armies would soon clash. Ethelstan's forces would make a shield wall, and would hammer and drive their enemies back. Soon enough, an all-out battle would take place, and it was devastating. According to a poem called The Battle of Brunanborough, it says, Never has there been a greater slaughter since the Angles and the Saxons came here from the east. The result of the battle was a victory for Athelstan and his warriors, but thousands would lay dead on the battlefield. Many petty kings, princes and English nobles died in the battle, including two of Ethelstan's cousins. Ethelstan and his nobles would be in the thick of the fighting, leading their men to victory. For generations, this would be remembered as the Great Battle. King Olaf escaped back to Dublin, and King Constantine lost a son. Olaf remained King of Dublin, but his ambitions to take back Northumbria and York were lost. Ethelstan saved England from the wrath of the allied kings of the north, but his lordship over them was lost, and he no longer held the influence he did years earlier. Before, he would rule most of Scotland, Strathclyde, and had united the Danelaw and the Viking city of York. But after the great battle, his influence in Scotland and Strathclyde dwindled, and he only held control of England. Having lost his rule of Britain, but still ruling the lands south of Strathclyde and Alba. Ethelstan would die in the year 939. He never married, nor fathered children, and the crown would pass to his younger brother, Edmund. As soon as Ethelstan died, the men of York chose the Viking king of Dublin, Olaf, as their king, and the Anglo-Saxon control of the north collapsed. While Ethelstan was alive, he was in control of nearly the whole of Britain, until the rebellion of the northern kings. This conveys his brilliance, as their combined forces could still not defeat him, and he remained the King of England. Ethelstan has been regarded as a shadowy figure, 
due to the lack of sourcing material regarding his life. No doubt the details that have been lost to time were that of treachery and plots, as he was the most powerful man in Britain, and men of ambition always lust for power, which may have caused the events in his life to unfold. Ethelstan's hold over Britain wouldn't be seen again by any Saxon king. His level of power would not be attained by an English king until Edward I in 1272. This conveys that Ethelstan was ahead of his time and his lordship of Britain was a legendary feat in itself, even if it didn't last. So let me know what you think of Ethelstan in the comments sections down below. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.